Julie Ryan, noted psychic and medical intuitive, is ready to answer your personal questions, even those you never knew you could ask. For more than 25 years, as she developed and refined her intuitive skills, Julie used her knowledge as a successful inventor and businesswoman to help others. Now, she wants to help you to grow, heal, and get the answers you've been longing to hear. Do you have a question for someone who's transitioned? Do you have a medical issue? What about your pet's health or behavior? Perhaps you have a loved one who's close to death and you'd like to know what's happening. Are you on the path to fulfill your life's purpose? No matter where you are in the world, take a journey to the other side and ask Julie Ryan. Hi, everybody. We just have this amazing show for you this week. We've got Amber Romaniuk, who's on, and we took questions from callers, and they ranged from what's binge eating, what can I eat for snacks, what happens when I... Uh, fast all day, and then I can eat the side of a cow because I'm so hungry. How does that work? And she really addresses a lot of questions. So if you've ever thought about losing weight, if you've ever thought about, oh, should I be eating this? Is this going to make me fat? All those kinds of things. You want to listen to this show because it's just chock full of information. Remember to like and subscribe Leave a comment and share it with your family and friends. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Ask Julie Ryan Show. I'm Julie, your host, and I'm so delighted you could join us this week. This is a special edition because we have Amber Romaniak on, and she is the queen of weight loss and body image and, oh my gosh, everything that has to do with fat and no fat and all that jazz. So we are going to be taking questions and we're going to limit the questions just to that kind of girly stuff primarily. You know, some men do that too, but most of the women that I know, I know I have one friend who doesn't ha ever think about her weight or what she eats or anything. She eats cake for breakfast. <laughs> I don't know how she does it. And she's a twig. But gosh, if I did that, I'd be bigger than my house. So anyways... Uh, the reason that I do this show is to provide information, insight, and comfort to people all around the world by helping to answer life's unanswerable questions. And let me tell you a little bit about Amber. Amber, welcome, first of all. Thank you, Julie, for having me. I'm so excited to be here and help answer some questions. Yeah, you guys, I had Amber on and it was episode 377. What, a couple months ago, mm -hmm. Amber? Yeah. Two, three months ago, something like that. And I just clicked with her. She's really an extraordinary gal. And I just love her. And uh, so when we did, when I had her on my show and then I was on her show, I said, we need to have you out and answer questions. And that's how this all came about. Let me tell you a little bit about Amber. Amber Romaniak is an emotional eating, digestive, and hormone expert with 10 years of experience helping women create a level of body confidence, intuition, and optimal health through powerful mindset healing, self-care, and overcoming self-sabotage with food. I think most of us can relate to one, if not all of those, Miss Amber. Amber's helped thousands of women from all walks of life fully, in all caps, overcome emotional eating, binge eating, and regain their energy, calm digestion, lose weight, and balance their hormones so that they feel happy, confident, and capable of anything. And the thing 
that really intrigued me the most, Amber, when I first met you was you say that you've lost and gained or gained and lost, I guess, in that order, a thousand pounds. Mm -hmm. And I said, how do you do that? How does that work? Oh my goodness. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you. And the feeling is mutual. And the the loss and gain of the thousand pounds came in a five-year span when I was emotionally eating, binge eating, and then, you know, going to the quick fixes and the diets and trying to chase the number on the scale, thinking that if I could just finally lose the weight, I'll finally be happy. But no matter how hard I tried, even if I lost the weight, I still wasn't happy because it was such a deeper inward journey and there was so much to explore. So I was up and down a good 20 to 40 pounds every other month through that span. And it easily added up to a thousand pounds in five years. That's amazing. And I think most of us probably did the same thing, but we've just haven't added them all together. Yeah. And that's mind boggling and mortifying and frightening all, in, all rolled into one. Yeah. But I think a lot of us who've dealt with weight issues, I have my whole life and have come from a family where there are issues there mm-hmm. as well. Um, it's It's just a something that I have always been interested in and have been dealing with. I think I went on my first diet when I was in the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Same. Yep. Yeah. And back then we were eating cottage cheese a lot. Oh, yeah. I did the gazpacho yeah. diet. <laughs> Lasted a half oh, a day. My. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Horrible. Yeah, that would be something. Oh, gosh. So let's just go to the phones, Amber, and answer some questions. Looks like our, our first caller is Chris. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, My question is not so much about weight, but food. Um, I'm currently legally blind and expected to go totally blind. So I'm wondering if you know of any foods that can regenerate the optic nerve. Mm, So this is going to be a lot along the lines of the vitamin A's. So your carrots, your orange yams, um, anything that's really orange, orange bell peppers. We want to add in as many things with vitamin A as possible. I don't know as well as if you could take something with vitamin A in it, like a vitamin, of course, if you're on any medications to make sure nothing interferes, but those would be things that could be helpful for you to explore. Um, Also with anything, healthy fats are always so important for any kind of injury or any kind of breakdown that's happening in the body. So if you can tolerate healthy fats like avocados, raw nuts and seeds, fatty fish, egg yolks, things like that, I think are really important to just help support the nervous system and whatever is going on that's contributing to this. How about protein? Oh, protein's always important for sure. So animal proteins, especially personally for blood sugar regulation and everything I think are key. So you're ideally, if you can do grass fed or free range, but your chicken, your fish, your turkey, bison, beef, If you're more plant-based, of course, you're going to want to make sure you get a lot of hemp hearts, chia seeds, flax, beans, rice. Um, With food combining, we have to make sure that we're getting complete protein. So having beans with rice, um, having hemp seeds, which are complete protein. Um, I really like collagen. I think that's great for gut health. And it's a great easy protein source that's not harsh on the stomach like a protein powder can be. So those things are all really important for blood sugar regulation. Um, and to, of course, help with any kind of wound healing and immunity in the body. Does that help, Chris? Yeah, thank you. And also, Julia, I have a session scheduled with you for some energy healing as well, but that's not for some months. 
Okay, so go on my website or go to your confirmation email, click on the reschedule button, and then check that periodically, Chris, because people reschedule all the time and sometimes you can get in the same week, sometimes within a couple of days. So check that. And I was zapping on your eyes the whole time you and Amber were talking. So, you know, I'm, I'm working behind the scenes. <laughs> so I'll look forward to... uh to getting you for a whole hour and we'll work on your eyes. Where are you located, Chris? Um, Fresno, California. Okay, terrific. Well, I look forward to having you all to myself someday soon. Well, thank you so much to both of you. You bet. Of course. Amber, I have a question for you about collagen. Yeah. Because the I used collagen powder Mm -hmm. And it made me itchy Mm. and it was grass fed and it was pure and all of that. What's going on with that? And it's a really good brand, but it made me itchy. So So I stopped using it. Yeah, fair enough. I've had this. I've had some clients have a reaction, um, but it could be a couple of things, even though it's a great brand. What brand can I ask what brand it was? I'd rather not say. Okay, fair enough. Be- um, but it, but it, but it's a very well-known brand, known brand, and I know that it's pure, and I know it was grass-fed, and I know it was organic, and all of that. I'm thinking, well, what's up with that? Yeah. So the first thing is sometimes the brands that were sold that are supposed to be all that they're, you know, they sometimes can have hidden things in them. So are they being fully honest? Well, I hope so, but there could be something in it, like a pesticide or. If the animal, was it, a, you said it was a cow, like a grass-fed? It just said grass-fed collagen okay. protein. Yeah. So ideally what we also want to see on the package is bovine, bovine and hormone and antibiotic-free, pesticide-free, um, because they can say grass-fed, but unless it has these specific other things on it, there could be hidden things in there like that, and that would all cause a reaction. Um, so that's the first thing to look at because if you're anything like me and you're a sensitive soul, um, that definitely would cause me to react. Um, as well, sometimes when we, like, I don't know if it happened right away or if it was something that you started to take it for a while and then you started to get the itching. Um, but some people are sensitive to something called free glutamic acid, which is in the collagen protein itself, and that can cause a reaction. Um, so, I mean, it. those would be the couple things that come up for me. Well, the hit that I got when you said it may have had an antibiotic in it, because I'm really allergic to oh, penicillin. Yeah. And that, boy, when you said that, I was like, bing, 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 yeah. bing, bing. I think that's what was going on. Yeah. So make sure your collagen always says not just grass fed, but like antibiotic hormone, bovine growth hormone free, like it should have all of those things on it as well, because otherwise they can be sneaky and marketed a certain way, but not be practicing everything behind the scenes. Okay, great. Thanks. You're welcome. Let's go to our next caller. I think it's Julie. Hi, Julie. Hi. Um, I have a question about weight, but um, I just wanted to ask you something before that. Yesterday, my precious angel dog passed away and it happened very suddenly we had to make the decision to put her down and i've lost a lot of pets in my life i've lost a lot of people and especially recently um but this one's affected me more than any i was very close to her and i feel like i can talk to people when they cross over right away and and it's not about that i want to 
talk to her, but it was so sudden. I just want to know how much of a part she had in it. And um, I, I, I feel like I got some good signs from her. I just wanted to know if you get anything about it and just how she's doing and, you know, if she planned. I feel like she she made it happen a little faster for a certain amount of reasons. And it's just my heart is just so heavy and broken. I just miss her so bad. I'm so sorry. What's your what's your dog's name? Brita. Brita. Okay. All right. So Brita's sitting right next to you on your right. It was a hundred percent her doing. We all decide and so do pets when, where, how, who's with us, all of that stuff when we go. She's saying you did everything perfectly. She's there. And I'm saying you're going to be able to talk to her once you're not in such deep grief because spirit doesn't communicate on the I feel crappy channels because the vibration's too low. So once you get into this a little bit, maybe if you call in next week or come to my live on Tuesday, we can talk to her. And we'll we'll get you some some more information. Where are you located, Julie? Um, Atlanta, Georgia. At- Atlanta, are you coming to my training? <laughs> I don't know. Am I? The, when is it? The third through the fifth of November. At least come join us for the Ask Julie Ryan Live. We're going to be at the Kempton at the airport. Okay. I, I just wrote it down. I didn't know anything about it. But thanks for telling me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a blast. And then we're going to have a reception after the, the live show on Friday night. So I'll say more about that later. But you got a question for Amber? Yeah. So my whole life, I haven't had a weight problem until I hit 50. And I'll be 60 next year. I was skinny. I could eat whatever I wanted um, my whole life until 50, pretty much. Um, ate more than anybody I knew. I guess I was just lucky all of a sudden I can't. But back then, I was hungry all the time. I feel hungry all the time. And now that I've gained weight, it's embarrassing, like, how much I eat. Like, it used to be cute because I was thin. But, like, we'll, I'll sit down to dinner with a bunch of friends, and, you know, we'll all have an entree, and they'll eat, like, five bites and their stuff, and they take the rest home. And I, I want my whole thing. It's like I'm just hungry. And people say if you wait 20 minutes or an hour. No, I'm hungry for hours and hours. I'm great at fasting. Like I don't eat until probably two or three um, and that feels real good. But the second I start eating, it's like I just want a lot. And I usually get about 2,000 to 2,300 calories a day. No matter what I try, it's hard not to. I'm just hungry and it's just, I don't know what to do about it. And it's, it's, you know, so I'll stop with the rest of the people and then I'll feel deprived and then I'll eat later. But it's like everybody I know eats, gets full and stops and I just don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a couple things are coming up. The first thing is the fasting may be sabotaging your hunger hormones and really the the lack of eating through the first half of the day and ne- your body needing to compensate can really cause a massive blood sugar spike and then a massive drop. And then what happens is we have a rush of that. Plus we have a hunger hormone that we produce that makes us hungry called ghrelin. And you will get a rush of that through the afternoon and the evening. And it can make you feel like no matter how much you eat, you're still hungry because your blood sugar is so off. Now, sometimes there's a place for fasting, but for most women that I know, if we don't know our hormone health before we start fasting, the fasting can actually have a negative impact on our hormones, things like our thyroid, um, 
fasting can also really stress out this stress hormone called cortisol. And if that's spiking because you're waiting so long to eat, that can increase our appetite levels even more and mess with our blood sugar even more and make you feel more hungry. Are you having any cravings for anything? Yeah, usually salty sugar. And I, there was something I was going to say that you, you said, um, I don't know. I can't think. Yeah. I mean, I crave, I crave sugar. Like after I start eating, like I'll eat and then I want sugar afterwards. And then I'd like to go back and forth between salty and sugar. I've tried to quit sugar several times in my life. I've never been able to. Yeah. So if we're craving refined sugar and we're craving salt, those can be indications. Number one, the sugar cravings are a sign of the blood sugar irregularity from the fasting. Also, refined sugar cravings will often crop up physically because of um, high stress levels from the stress hormone cortisol. Also, the more refined sugar we eat, the more it can increase our cravings. From an emotional standpoint, something to always consider is that the emotional connection to sugar is where is sweetness missing in life? Where is there lack or joy in, or lack of joy or love in my life that I'm wanting to compensate with sugar? So something to consider. And salt cravings are about mineral depletion and usually stress hormones that are out of whack. So I intuitively feel like you're fasting, maybe stressing your body out more than helping. And what may be more beneficial for you would to actually be to shift from that to actually starting to have breakfast again, to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, to regulate your blood sugar and your appetite levels. And you're probably going to feel less of that surge later in the day. And your cravings will also start to regulate, making sure you're having, like I was just talking about earlier, proteins and fat with each meal to help regulate your blood sugar. Do you feel at all? Is it okay that I'm asking them questions? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah Do you absolutely. feel that you ever use food to cope or like for stress or numbing out or like boredom or anything like the sugar or anything? I'm never bored. I'm never, ever, ever bored. Um, and I love quiet time. I love to be alone a lot. Um, okay. I don't feel like my life was full of super stress. I do have hypothyroidism. Oh, and I, I did. Ask. I've never liked breakfast my entire life. So it's real okay. easy for me not to eat it. I'm not fasting and like, it's, it's not hard for me. I'm not doing it. I'm doing it because it's natural. I'm not really even hungry until two every day is the main reason I, I don't eat. But I do eat until about 10 o'clock at night. Okay, so thank you for bringing that up. Now, this is a big oops that I see so many of my clients doing innocently because we think if I'm not hungry, I'm not going to eat. Why would I force myself to eat? So when we have hy hypothyroid, which is underactive thyroid, the thyroid and the metabolism are very connected. And the thyroid is like your fire burner, your metabolism. And when we don't eat because we're not hungry, we suppress the metabolism. The thyroid can get more underactive and it'll make it far easier to gain weight. One of the most common signs of underactive thyroid is weight gain and troubles losing. And so what happens when we fast is we shut the metabolism off even more and everything else you eat that day will likely store. So that could be one of the reasons the weight has come on and is not coming off is because your thyroid may, may need more love and attention. Now, to tie this back to the hunger, when we wait that long to eat because we don't feel hungry, we will not wake up that hunger signal that I was just talking about. Ghrelin is the hunger hormone that makes us hungry. So 
when we start eating earlier, and if you were to start eating something small for breakfast and getting into regular eating through the day, you're going to reawaken that ghrelin that's going to make you hungry earlier. So it's actually not normal to not feel hungry. And if you're not feeling hungry, it means the metabolism is off and that hunger hormone is being shut off. So eating more and eating earlier is going to help course correct that. And always suggest getting updated testing done and, you know, looking at what's going on there because often there will be something to better support with that. But I've literally seen this with about 80% of my clients and it sabotages the hormones, the metabolism and the blood sugar. So that's what I would suggest is if you can get back into regular eating and cut the fasting, you will see that hunger come back earlier. Thank you very much. That was a plethora of great information. You're welcome. Everybody's, uh, you know, all over this intermittent fasting thing. And uh, and then I hear occasionally that it's not that great for women. It's better for guys. And then I also hear that when you do intermittent fasting, it helps your body heal stuff that it needs to heal because it's not digesting food. So what's your I'm so glad you brought that up, Julie. What's your thought what are your thoughts on the intermittent fasting? Yeah, so I would I would say men can tolerate a lot better than women can. I would say about 90% of the population, because they have so many hormone issues, inflammation, stress, emotional eating, they're trying to, you know, fight with the weight in the body. Fasting isn't suitable for so many people because unless you know your current state of health, your hormone health, et cetera, and you hop on that. You can do more harm than good because as an example, if you start fasting and you have high cortisol, which is the stress hormone, you're going to shoot that stress hormone higher because your body actually wants you to eat regularly through the day. And when we wait that long to eat, we're stressing the body out. So yes, they say, oh, if you fast, you'll have more energy to heal the body. But unfortunately, if you have a multitude of imbalances going on internally, physically, emotionally, energetically, the fasting is just going to stress the body out more because the body's going, I'm already stressed. Where's the nourishment? And it's easier to suppress the metabolism, spike the cortisol, cause the thyroid to go more underactive and actually make it easier to gain weight. So I, unless you have a pristine relationship with food, your stress is manageable, you know your hormones are in a really good place and you feel like your health is pretty optimal and you're pretty detached from, like you're just wanting to do it for health reasons. Fair enough, there's maybe five to 10% of the population that can do that effectively. But I personally find most people it does more harm than good because of all the stuff that's going on. What should Julie look for as far as her thyroid measurements? I know I know there's T3 and T2 and and different levels that what what are what's optimal? Yeah, so the unfortunate thing with the ranges is they're far too big and they're dating back to, you know, 70 years ago and they're not accurate to read the body now. Um, so we always want to test for, and I do this with clients all the time. We want to test TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. I find usually that is the level that's the most off and contributes to the weight gain, the sluggish metabolism, cold hair, cold, cold hands and feet, eyebrow thinning, um, and hair loss. Um, and what happens is usually there's a high cortisol, which is the stress hormone, and that stresses out the pituitary, and it's the pituitary that produces the TSH. And the pituitary will flood too much TSH through the body. And then we end up sluggish metabolism and all the symptoms. So TSH, T3, T4, which are produced by the thyroid. And then it's always good to get our thyroid antibodies tested and rule out any kind of Hashimoto's or autoimmune condition. Um, so what I find with the ranges in the States, 
I think it's actually similar in Canada. The range goes from about 0.02 to 5. And on both levels, if you're at a 0.02, you're way overactive and you probably feel like you're having 10 cups of coffee a day. So that's no good. And 5 is way too high for the TSH. So the sweet spot range that I found to be optimal is actually between 0.5 and 1.75. So if you have a thyroid issue or you feel like you do, but your doctor or whoever keeps telling you it's normal, it's normal, get a second, third opinion because even I had underactive thyroid in the normal range. I was a 2.26 with my TSH and I had all the symptoms. And when I you know, started working on my thyroid because I had thyroid issues from the binge eating and working on getting my cortisol regulated, things came back into balance. My hunger signal came back and weight loss got a lot easier. Um, so those are things to really look at. You can definitely talk to your doctor and ask for those tests. And if you want to go outside of that, I'm always happy to have a conversation because it's um, unfortunately seen all the time and not really dealt with. So Terrific. Thyroid. Well, that's a lot of information for you, Miss Julie. I hope that helps. And I, and I hope I get to see you in Atlanta in a couple of weeks. Come join us the weekend of the 3rd through the 5th. So AskJulieRyan.com, click on the training page, and you'll get all the information. Most of us have busy lives, and we know that we're not getting the nutrients and the vitamins and the minerals that we need. So I'm always looking for easy ways to ingest them. I found one. It's called Beam Minerals. And what I find is that most of us don't get enough potassium, magnesium, and calcium. Those are the big three. And so what Beam Minerals does is it's put all these minerals in a liquid form that's easy to drink because it tastes like water. It's got all these important minerals and a whole bunch of other ones. And I find that they're really helpful. They save me time. They're easy to take. And I suggest that you give them a try. Go to Beam Minerals, B as in boy, E-A-M, minerals, plural, dot com, and use the code Julie Ryan, altogether, no space, at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your order. That's Beam Minerals, B-E-A-M, minerals.com and use Julie Ryan at checkout and you'll get a 20% discount. Give it a try and let me know what you think. We do this show every Thursday night at 8 Eastern, 7 Central and 5 Pacific. How you can join is just go to askjulieryanshow.com. That's askjulieryanshow.com and we'll get you right in and, and get you on and get your question asked. This information is available on my website, AskJulieRyan.com, and in the show notes and anywhere on all my social media channels, everything's at Ask Julie Ryan, and you'll be, be able to find that. We're also on YouTube, Alexa, all that jazz. And let's see, uh, call-in details can also be found on my blog that I send out weekly. You sign up for that at AskJulieRyan.com, and we'll send a note and say, hey, Remember, we're going to do a, spe- we're going to do a special show tomorrow night with Amber. We sent that out yesterday or just remember to call in and we'll do that. While you're on my website, you can schedule an appointment with me and then we'll have a whole hour to talk about whatever you want. Cause you know, I am a buffet of psychicness. So that, that we can talk about anything spiritual and remember that our live is next Tuesday, the 24th. 
And that's a blast. It's like an online slumber party. And people call in and we were on a Zoom and you can ask questions. And I give away lots of prizes. I give away a free session every month. And Amber, I give away a free session every month on the first Thursday of the month, but you got to leave a review at uh, ratethispodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. So I give away about 25 free sessions a year. And yeah, so it's fun. I love it. And and it's so fun when people, I get to talk to them after they've won a session, they'll say, I was driving to work and I heard my name called and I was like, oh my God, it was so fun. So anyways, everything you need is at AskJulieRyan.com. All right, let's go back to the phones. Looks like Judy's with us next. Hi, Judy. And full disclosure, Judy is a graduate of my angelic attendant training. She's one of the chosen ones, right? So love, love, love her. I'm so delighted to get to see your beautiful face. Say hi to Amber. Hi, Judy. Where are you located? Tell everybody where you are. I'm in West Covina, California, okay. Southern, Cali- right. Southern California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got a question yeah. for Amber? Um, well, let me start with your guess. Um, I, um, I've started, um, you know, I eat, like I heard you told the last lady that eating at two is not a good idea. So, but the thing is, I would get up on mornings, drink some some tea, oat straw tea and different things. And then, you know, I won't be hungry until about two. So I've been doing that and I saw I lost some weight, but I'm at a plateau now. So I don't know if maybe I should start by eating. <laughs> yeah. Breakfast so, early. Uh, so what I always suggest for optimal metabolism, hormone health, energy, and blood sugar is to try and actually have something small within a half an hour of waking up to wake up your blood sugar, your metabolism, and your digestion and start giving you energy. This could be as simple as a piece of fruit um, with a bit of cinnamon on it for blood sugar right? If you're not too hungry first thing in the morning, because we have to wake that hunger signal back up, we need to start helping your body producing the ghrelin to make you hungry. Because the goal is optimal blood sugar and metabolism, you wake up, you should have a stomach growl or a hunger signal within half an hour of waking up. If you're not having that, and you're not feeling hungry later to the afternoon, this is a sign of that suppression, the body's going, where is it? Where is it? Okay, we're just going to shut off that signal. So Start, you can even just start with something small if you want to have a full breakfast. Ideally, like I say, within 30 to an hour to have that full breakfast, you're going to notice this hunger signal start coming back online. Every person that I've worked with has had this happen, but just give it a bit of time and then make sure you start adding in a lunch as well. But you may start with smaller meals so your body gets used to it, but then you're going to start to feel more hungry and you're like, oh my gosh, this is what this feeling feels like. It's happening earlier. Let me make sure I add a bit more. Um And then the other thing to always do is if you've had a plateau is number one, we want to make sure you're eating enough because a lot of women, oops, they don't eat enough. So eating with your meals, always proteins, fats, good fruits, good veggies, right? Whatever things you feel intuitively called to. And if you have never had or haven't in a while, I always suggest hormone testing. So getting a good round of, of things. And so what I always suggest for people to get is your thyroid. So you're like I talked about earlier, the TSH, T3, T4, morning cortisol. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. And then another important one is an inflammatory marker called C-reactive protein, because if we have really high inflammation, 
which the signs are swelling, retention, pain, heat in the body, redness. If we have high inflammation, that can plateau us. We want to look and see if there's inflammation in the body. Um, and then your estrogen and progesterone are always good to look at too. So if you can get some testing done and see if there's anything going on there, that's also always important because sometimes there's hidden imbalances that we can't pinpoint otherwise. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Hi. Oh, okay. Amber, the the thing about the the thing about fruit first thing in the morning by itself, that goes in as everything I've read. <sighs> it's like you're gonna spike your blood sugar. And if you're gonna eat a piece of fruit, eat some nuts or something first, because just the fruit alone is just gonna spike the blood sugar. And every time we spike the blood sugar, it makes us release insulin. And when we release insulin, it makes us store fat. What what is what do you have to say about all that? So when someone hasn't eaten or isn't in a habit where they're not eating until 2 p.m., we got to start somewhere. So a piece of fruit is something that appeals to most and that they feel is not going to fully fill them up. So that's why I suggest the cinnamon with the fruit because it's got chromium and chromium is the blood sugar supporting mineral. By all means, people could have a couple tablespoons of nut butter or some nuts with it. But sometimes we have to counter and go baby steps. We start with the piece of fruit with the cinnamon. Then we, after like a few days or a week or two, can add the fats and then maybe you make it into a full smoothie or you add it into your breakfast. But for most people, the thought of going, you know, and not eating until 2 p.m. to now having to have a big breakfast right away is just such a huge turnoff because they don't feel hungry. So we kind of, I like to baby step people in and that's where most people find that's tolerant and then their hunger signal comes back online and then they add more things in that regulate the blood sugar. I think the hunger single signal thing is so interesting too because the thing that I hear like with these shots that people are getting for weight loss mm. and all of that, the big thing is they're saying that they don't feel hungry yeah. and they see that as a a huge benefit because they're not eating as much. And I know you're not a fan of those shots. Can you say something about those real quickly? Yeah, so they're very much, in my opinion, a detriment to our well-being because they are shutting off our hunger hormone and therefore they are shutting off our metabolism. I think it's very important that we don't shut off the body signals. If you're struggling with overeating, binge eating, be willing to, are you willing to do your deeper work and get support with that? Because these shots are shutting metabolism off. They're shutting off digestion. People aren't having regular bowel movements. It's suppressing the thyroid and causing all kinds of severe hormone issues. And then as soon as they come off of the shots, their appetite levels go through the roof. It triggers binge eating and overeating. They gain weight like crazy and then their digestion is so sluggish that they're getting heavily constipated and bloated. And there's other issues and side effects, but, you know, be willing to work through whatever is increasing your appetite levels and feeling more physical and emotional hunger because as you work on those things, it will regulate. Okay. Well, thanks. And so not being hungry, I'm hearing you say, is a sign that our thyroid probably and our and our digestion is not working properly. Correct. Yep. We want a hunger wow. signal every two to three hours, a stomach growl. Those are very good signs that your metabolism and thyroid and digestion are in better working order than not. 
And so are you advocating eating every two to three hours? Most people, that's what works best. Some people like to have a snack between their meals, which is also fine. It really depends on the person. Someone who has more severe thyroid issues, cortisol issues, if you're binge eating, if you're eating a lot of refined sugar, you're probably in the beginning going to want to start with eating your breakfast, lunch, dinner, and having a snack between your meals because your blood sugar is going to be more all over the place. And as things regulate, you may find you're fully satiated with your meals and don't need that. So it's really, it depends on each person, but most of my clients find that there's a sweet spot somewhere in there for that. Okay. Because this is this is really interesting because it goes against so much of the current yeah. line of thinking about uh, weight and how to control it and all of that, which is one of the many reasons why I adore you and I wanted to have you on because you are an opposite end of the spectrum and what you say makes sense and... So let's hear the whole discussion yeah, well, before we make a decision. There's a reason that the weight loss and diet industry is a multi-trillion dollar a year industry, and it is not because they want you to get better and go off of their system, right? So they like to confuse people. Yeah, interesting point. Okay. All right. Let's go back to the phones. Looks like our next caller's Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi, this is Matt from Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. Hello, Hi, Matt. Welcome. It's nice to be with you. Amber. Amber. Thank you. Thank you. I, I do have a question. Uh, emotional eating has been a lifetime and a uh, lifetime issue. Of course, it's more when I'm single and alone, of course. Mm-hmm. And I don't seem to be able to overcome it. Is What else can you add? Yeah. Thank you for sharing what you said earlier. Yeah. So the lonely trigger is a big emotional eating trigger. I see it all the time. And part of that is because when we are in partnership or spending a lot of time with others, we don't have to deal with and face some of that void that can still be within us that we're trying to fill with food. So there's that aspect of it. So something that you could explore via journaling, meditation, reflection is, you know, What is this part of this void that becomes more open and apparent when it's just me and myself? And what kind of emotions do you attach to loneliness? What do you make that mean? Because I think one of the biggest things that I had to try and remind myself of when I was struggling with emotional eating and I was alone was I'm actually not really alone. This is my opportunity to do deeper healing and build a deeper relationship and friendship with myself. That means I don't just have me. I have me, myself, and I. And this is a really powerful time to do that. So there's that aspect of it to really explore and look at. And when we have certain triggers, so for you, loneliness specifically, what happens is when you're alone, you're going to have a pathway in the brain that lights up and goes, hey, it's time for you to self-sabotage. This is what you do when you're alone versus you know, if you have, if you don't associate other activities or circumstances with food, you're not going to have a pathway that lights up. So part of it is going, okay, well, what do you want to immerse yourself in with the time you have on your own to undo this old pathway and build a new one that is, I'm alone and that's okay. I'm safe. And I'm going to, you know, take care of myself. I'm going to get to know myself better. I'm going to have fun, play, whatever it is. Does that resonate? It certainly does. I've been practicing distractions. Okay. In other words, not being at home. 
Yeah. So that's good. It starts to help to break up the pattern. I'm going to give you a couple of really valuable questions to start asking yourself if you haven't been already to start breaking up that cycle. Okay. So the first question is, or it's more of an awareness. What are the first signs that I feel pulled into the trigger? What is the sensations in the body? What are the thoughts you're having? What are the emotions you're having? And then the second question is, is this physical or emotional hunger? Right. And if I physically have nourished my body, then, and I know that this is emotional, what is triggering me and what does it cost me to keep giving into the trigger? And what do I, what do I really need instead? And to start really exploring these questions and, and delving deep, right? What do I need instead of food? What does it cost me to keep using it? Is there something that you like to eat when you're doing emotional eating? I mean, are ice you craving sugar? Or- uh, ice cream, the comfort food. So you're seeking comfort, right? right? Sweets, ice cream. And it's, it's funny because I can be really full, but still just have a little bit more. Yeah. And I think that's where the questions I asked earlier, where is the sweetness missing in life? Where is there lack of love or joy in life? And we know that sugar is 10 times more addictive than cocaine. And if we have a loneliness connection to that and we're attaching it to comfort, even if we're full, we eat especially the sugar, because as we start anticipating eating it and eating it, we actually get a dopamine high and the brain is producing that feel good dopamine to, to help you have this euphoric moment that then fades away really fast. So also looking at other activities that can help you produce more stabilized levels of dopamine and serotonin, which is produced in the gut, which is also a mood boosting neurotransmitter. So meditation, nature, breath work, laughter maybe you pull up a cute animal video or i don't know something that really makes you laugh um and inner child work may be something that could really benefit you i find that often when we have the loneliness trigger and we have we're still feeling called to emotionally eat there's usually some inner child stuff whether it's from last week or 20 years ago that wants your support and attention so that's something you could always explore getting help with or play around with yourself that will help fill the void and help that part of you feel more supported and comforted Does that help, Matt? Referring to food as a pleasure substitute is a bad idea. Yes, because then we're using it as a coping mechanism. (laughs) I mean, I think food is delicious. It's not that we can't enjoy food, but if we know we're full and then we're doing it, right, because we're lonely, that's a self-sabotage. So we want to clear that out and just have the choice to enjoy food to for that to be it and there to be no other like behind the scenes reasons. That seems pretty clear. <laughs> Thank you. How do you feel about artificial sweeteners? Are there any that are good in your opinion? Uh, I don't use any. So I've stopped using sweeteners for the most part, but the ice cream is like a sweetener, right? Yeah. Well, in a lot of ice creams, yeah. mainstream ice creams don't just have refined sugar. They also have aspartame. They have MSG, which is an increase appetite increaser and, um, you know, gives you that dopamine high. So a lot of these ice creams reading the labels for MSG, aspartame, gluten, sugar, because there's multiple ingredients in there from the lab to excite the same part of the brain as a hard drug. So if you can look at your labels and maybe offer something that's just got maybe better ingredients, that would also really help you out. 
How do you feel about monk fruit? Love monk fruit. Love it so much. It's one of the best ones. It doesn't spike blood sugar at all. And so it doesn't give us that dopamine high, but it's very nice and sweet. And it's great for baking and cooking and all kinds of things. But I don't suggest artificial sweeteners. They really suppress our mood. They suppress the metabolism and make it so much easier to gain weight. They suppress the thyroid. And of course, because the body doesn't know how to break them down, we store it in our fat cells as formaldehyde. So they're very harmful as well neurologically to the body. Um, so ideally, we want to get off the artificial sweeteners. Wow. You were talking about the dopamine high from sweets, and I've been very public about that. I'm a recovering sugar addict. Yes. <laughs> and I've been sugar sober, for four, sugar sober for four and a half years. And I'm very proud of that, frankly, because be. I, I didn't get the golden ovary courage to do that until I was 60. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did that at 16. I just thought, I I can't do this. I got to stop this and just stopped it like I was an alcoholic or a drug addict or something. But anyways, I still really enjoy looking at baked goods. We were in a, I was in a restaurant in LA with my son, Jonathan, and his wife and uh, and it, and they had this amazing dessert counter. And Jonathan said, okay, mom, let's just stay away from the dessert counter. I said, I'm not going to eat sugar after four and a half years. There's no way I'm going to go back to it and have to start over four and a half years. Forget it. <laughs> but I still love looking at it. And I go, oh, my God, that looks so amazing. And then I immediately say, yeah, I don't eat that anymore. And then I move on. But listening to you, maybe I'm getting a dopamine hit just from looking at it. Is yep. that what's going you on? You do. 100%. The visual is appealing. And then the brain's like, ooh, this is pleasurable to look at. And then the brain is anticipating the reward of you eating it, but then you don't. Wow. So do I need to stop looking at it? I don't think so, unless you feel excruciated, like it's, you know, painful to look at it and feel tempted. No, I love it. Yeah. I love to look at then it. Then enjoy and I'm it. like, oh. That looks amazing. Yeah. And then I think, yeah, but I just don't eat that anymore. I hear you. And yeah, and then I'll do that. But everybody in my family thinks it's really weird that I like to look at it, even though I don't eat it. And I enjoy, I, I buy it for other people, like for birthdays and mm -hmm. stuff like that, or if I'm having a dinner party. I mean, I'm always going to have dessert. Yeah. But yeah, I, I've never thought about it before that I'm getting a dopamine hit from yeah. just looking at it. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. Other questions for you. The uh, the whole thing about family dynamics and eating and how we're raised eating certain foods and their comfort foods, especially as we're coming into the holidays. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, uh, Halloween's in a couple <laughs> of weeks. I don't even let the candy in my house. The trick-or-treaters that come to my house, and I don't have very many, get a dollar bill. Love that. Because I don't want that whole big bag of chocolate. I can smell it. Mm. I don't want to smell it. I don't want it in my house. And I spend less money just giving out dollar bills than I did on that big bag of candy from Costco. Mm -hmm. So how can we get to the point where we have those family comfort foods? Can we modify them so they're healthier? Or do we need to just completely avoid them. Yeah. So I think there are so many incredible recipes and substitutions now that the key is to not feel restricted or deprived because uh, otherwise for most people that will just trigger them to want to rebel one day and eat all the stuff they're trying to avoid. 
So I think it's so important that we just sub refined sugar for a natural sugar, sub, you know, regular flour for gluten-free. There's so many alternatives now. Um, and we get to play in the kitchen and experiment a bit, or there's like billions of blogs online with recipe alternatives for your favorite chocolate cake, your favorite, right? Like pizza recipe, all of that is available. So I think we can play in that. Not to mention, there are so many more amazing local food product companies that are producing higher quality ice creams, chocolate, etc. that have natural sugars, no garbage ingredients. So I think it's also getting to know what is available if you can in your local area, if you have access to it, otherwise getting a little more busy in the kitchen. Um, some people may make the personal choice that they fully cut certain things out and never have them again. And I think that, um, to me, it's about balance. So if there's something you're cutting out, there's probably an alternative that you can enjoy. Because I cut sugar out for four and a half years as well when I was healing my relationship with food. And then I got to the point where I was just so detached from it that I could eat it. And personally, like it just made my teeth ache. And it was so sweet that I it's not enjoyable anyway. And I prefer to use like my natural sweeteners and things to do my baking because I love baking. I love food. But I've just found the way that works for me and my hubby to do it. That is so enjoyable, but without all the junk, that's not going to make us feel good. So that is totally doable. How about portions? I know if there's this branded potato chips that I found that's potatoes and olive oil and sea salt, and that's all the ingredients. But it's one of those little bags where two thirds of it's air and then it's got (laughs) chips in it. You know, it's one of those kind of things. But boy, I can eat a whole bag of that stuff. So what I do is I'll take it out and put a couple handfuls on a plate or a paper towel or something Mm -hmm. just because it'll keep me from eating the whole bag. What do you suggest along those lines? Yeah. And so definitely chips can be very tempting. And that's good that you found one that only has oil, salt and potatoes. I find because... For a lot of people, the salt and the crunch of the chips excites and makes us produce some dopamine. The clenching of the jaw signals for us. So, you know, I always suggest taking a handful or like take a really small bowl that you can make look really full so that it's like appealing to your eye and then it makes look like you had more. And then, yeah, put the rest away. Also, because chips are just not satiating at all, like pair it with salsa or guacamole or something that's just going to help you feel more satisfied if you're like, uh, I had some, but I feel like I could have more and then it just turns into a slippery slope. Yeah, good idea. The other thing is I was, we were out of town last weekend and went into a grocery store because we were taking lunch to my in-law's house, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's house and, you know, got stuff off the hot bar and all that. They had the most gorgeous produce session section and Tim was laughing at me and I went in there and I said, I just feel like singing like, oh, it was just so gorgeous. And he said, you are so weird. What is wrong with you? This is the vegetable section. I said, it was amazing. It looked like a painting. And I was thinking, okay, what can I get? That was a huge aha moment for me because normally I would do that at the bakery but I was doing it in the produce section and I thought, okay, you've come a long way, girl. Yep. Yeah. And what comes in for me, because I feel the same way about the produce section now, is the frequency, right? Like that beautiful produce section, the frequency of that food is so attuned to, right? Just 
our frequency that we're trying to establish and maintain. And now a lot of the things that used to look appealing, in my opinion, don't even look like food anymore, right? So all of us are on this journey of healing certain things and attuning our frequency and what is appealing is going to change as we heal, regulate, clear our pineal and work on our internal system. Interesting. I know a lot of experts say stay on the outer perimeter of the grocery store. Don't go in the middle aisles because that's where all the refined stuff Mm -hmm. is and the stuff with all those ingredients. And if you can't pronounce it, don't buy it kind of a thing. How have we gotten so out of control with the food industry in the world? It's not just North America. I think it's all over the world. Yes, for sure. Unless you're in a small Why village do that doesn't have access to commercial stuff. Well, how, it's like how deep down the rabbit hole do you want to go, Julie? Right. Do you want the like surface level answer? Or do you want the deep, deep, deep? <laughs> right. I want the deep answer. Okay, let's go deep then. So Through 14 years of healing, I have awakened to so many things on this planet. And in my observation, research, learning, the food industry was specifically designed, especially in the five countries, United States, Canada, Europe, Australia, and New Zealand, to have all this lab-made food, number one, for us to become addicted to it. Because if we're addicted, we're going to keep buying it. And that's going to make big food a lot of money. And then eventually, unfortunately, a lot of people end up with some kind of disease or illness and need to rely on big pharma. So they get made a lot of money. And then we get frustrated with our weight. We give a lot of our money to diet and weight loss companies. So they make a lot of money. And then we calcify our pineal. We can't discern. So it's easy for us to be deceived if we're eating all this low frequency food that's messing with our vibration, our gut, our brain, our mood, our hormones, etc., And then, of course, because of all of this, we don't feel confident. We don't feel in our power. We don't have access to our intuition or our discernment. And therefore, we're easier to control and manipulate. And if we've learned anything over the last few years, you know, we've seen a lot of that come in. And a lot of that has to do with this food addiction and the way it impacts every aspect of us physically, emotionally, and energetically. So it plays a huge role in everything that's going on right now in the world. Well, and the obesity levels are just skyrocketing. Yeah. I, 20, 25 years ago, my Mima, who died at 100, she made a comment. We were out somewhere and she said, everybody's so fat all of a sudden. She said, what is going on? Yeah. And so this was in, oh, probably the 2000s, I would think, early, maybe but she, she died in 2002. So maybe late 90s, early 2000s. And at the time I thought, well, she's almost 100 years old, so she would know what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. But I, I know a lot of it had to do with all of the fake foods that were coming in, like margarine and things like that. Eat Crisco, yeah. even after World War II, yeah. a lot of those different things. And also the plastics, mm-hmm. how much of the chemicals that are in our food supply and in our water supply yeah. are affecting our metabolisms and our hormones and all of that. And, you know, unless you live out in a cabin (laughs) in the woods and you have a water spring that you're drinking out of and all of that, how do we get around that? Yeah, I think it's starting with small changes. So can you start filtering your water and not drinking tap water? Can you start, if you can source a local farmer's market or a local place that has more locally grown food, if you can't grow a garden, um, can you 
start swapping, you know, some of your favorite refined goodies for products that have better ingredients, right? Can you start adding in more vegetables or fats, things to help lower inflammation? Can you, you know, um, find out which maybe a couple of different vitamins that could be good, really good for you to gently detox your liver. But I think it's like, yeah, it's overwhelming when you realize the magnitude to which we have been poisoned and are being, you know, that our bodies are being impacted, but we want to start slowly making changes. If for you, you're like, I feel like my food's good and you want to start cleaning up all the toxic stuff in your house, then maybe you start with your, your deodorant and your shampoo and your, you know, laundry detergent, right? So there, it's like just picking one little thing to start with and starting to make the changes because it's everywhere. Interesting. Matt's back with another question. Uh, yes, I have another question. Have you had this experience where you're in a restaurant, you eat, you overeat, you're full, but as you're walking out the door, you feel hungry? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. What is, what's happening there? So there could be a couple things going on. Three. Number one, there may be MSG in the food and MSG increases our appetite levels significantly. So even if we've eaten a whole meal, we will want to eat the world. Number two is we, when we have this emotional void going on, sometimes it doesn't matter how much we eat, we still feel this hunger. So this is where is this physical versus emotional hunger question is very important. And the third one is depending on what you had for your meal. So if the meal is lacking protein and fat, you can eat a whole big serving of something I don't know what kind of restaurant you went to, but yeah, you can still not be satiated because it's stuff that's going to break down really quickly and your body's going, I'm, I'm lacking key nutrients. So one of, or all of the above. It certainly was a certain ethnic food that was where it happened a lot. So I stopped. Yeah. There. MSG is one of the worst things when we're struggling with emotional eating and binge eating, because it could be a, a dish that sounds great. I, I went to a Thai restaurant, ordered a green Thai curry and I start eating it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how come I all of a sudden want to eat the whole world? And now my nose is stuffy. I've got brain fog. Ask what's in the sauce. She's like, oh, here you go. And it MSG right there. And I'm like, oh man, it is the worst. But a lot of them say, no, we don't use any MSG. So you know the trick? You tell a little white lie and you go, I'm anaphylactic to MSG. I need you to make sure there's no MSG in this food. And then they will bring you the little pre-made curry paste that they use or whatever that they don't make themselves. And they will make darn sure there's no MSG in their food or they will tell you that there is. So that's what I had to do when I was healing binge eating because otherwise it would trigger me to go into a relapse. If, if you want to do that, that worked for me though, just to say, right, because it's a big deal. So in that situation, you suggest that Matt eat more protein and fat to fill him up? Yeah, definitely. Protein and fat for sure. Um, and then, I mean... In this case as well, it's a bit, just a bit of a waiting game to get it out of your system, right? But protein and fat, protein and fat, those are the keys for the appetite and the blood sugar. Does that help, Matt? That help? Thank Matt? you for that. Yes, it was a high carb type of food yeah. that did that. Okay. Well, thanks for, thanks for that question. Yeah. I think it was very insightful. 
I have another question for you about uh, restaurant food Mm -hmm. and the portion sizes and all of that. And so many of us were taught that we need to have a clean plate Mm -hmm. as children. Yeah. And so what what do you have to say about that? For some people, when you when you say, well, just stop when you're full. Well, they're full, but they just keep eating. Yeah. So how do how do we deal with that? I'm so glad that you brought that up. I think, unfortunately, is one of the poorest habits we can teach because to focus on cleaning the plate instead of learning how to stop more full means that we are ignoring our fullness hunger cue and continuing to eat because we got told we have to eat until we have the clean plate. So I think what's really important is if you were told that and you feel like I cringe at the thought of stopping when I'm full and not finishing my plate because there's people who aren't getting the food. Well, if you can refrigerate the leftovers or freeze them if it at first you have guilt not clearing your plate because what's more important is to actually honor the fullness and stop when you're full this is another reason why people have troubles losing weight and have inflammation and gut issues is because they're regularly overeating out of guilt because they don't want to leave anything on their plate so stop when you're full put the food away you can always have it later and then it will get to the point where if there's a bit here and there that you're just getting rid of it's just empowering to honor your body's cues i think in the states especially the portions are massive and there's a lot of msgs and ingredients that contribute to increasing our appetite levels and suppressing that hunger hormone that makes you full called leptin and it makes you feel like you have a hollow leg and you could keep eating forever. So these ingredients are designed on purpose to skew our hunger hormones. But then when you stand up, you feel so full, like uncomfortably full. So this is where we're starting to slow down, eat mindfully, put your fork down between bites and start going, okay, am I getting full? Am I getting full? Because that's going to help you actually stop and gain more clarity. I think the portions are bigger on purpose. Um, and the more we eat and overeat, the body sets us up to want to eat up to 40% more the next day um, because the body thinks there's a famine coming. So this is where mindful eating practice and learning how to like get to know our hunger signals and our fullness will help us actually prevent overeating as well. And you probably find you don't eat near as much, to be honest. Interesting. That's so true. When you eat a lot and then you're starving mm-hmm. the next day and you're thinking, how can I be hungry? I just ate like half a cow yeah. last night at dinner and and then the next day. And I always thought it was just because the stomach got stretched out. Yeah, there's really, I mean, for it can be part of that for some people, especially if they're binge eating on a regular basis. But the body really thinks, oh my goodness, there's this mass influx, right? And holiday dinners really remind me of that, right? Like Thanksgiving, Christmas, et cetera. But it is because the body really thinks that there is a famine coming because they're having more, they're having more than usual. Oh my gosh, there might be a famine. Let me hang on to as much as I can and increase the appetite level. That's why when people get into emotionally eating and binge eating, it can feel like such a slippery slope to gain traction or control with your appetite levels because you're just increasing your appetite level over and over and over again. Interesting. What do you, how do you uh, help people that have a very short lunch break? My sister-in-law, Terry, is a school teacher. Mm. She has 20 minutes to eat. Just 20 minutes? And she's doing, she's doing uh, playground duty and all that kind of stuff. I said, 20 minutes? I mean, to eat and go to the bathroom and all of that in between taking care of all these little squirts all day in the classroom. 
what do you say to somebody like that who, and I think a lot of people have 20 minutes or a half an hour mm-hmm. break yeah. in their day, in their jobs. So how, how can they work with that? Yeah. So number one, I think try to, if you can prepare lunches that are going to be easier to chew. Don't bring a salad because gosh, salads take the longest to eat, right? So soups, stews, um, shepherd's pies, like things that are cooked that are going to just be easier for you to chew. You're going to chew thoroughly, but it's going to take far less time than a big steak and salad or something that's just going to, you have to take a lot longer. So I just suggest that um, because I mean, otherwise you're just dealing with the time and then try and eat what you can. And then hopefully you have a little break later to finish it or to have a snack if you're not quite feeling satiated. Smoothies. I would think I would think that it probably raises the cortisol level too. Oh, for sure. If you're thinking, okay, I gotta yeah. eat this fast and then I gotta go do this try to and take I gotta it. be back and... Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, just to uh, increase the cortisol level and... and I. I I told her, I said, so do you sit down? She said, yeah, I'm in the lunchroom, but we're all scarfing down mm, our lunches. Yeah. If you can take a couple deep breaths, it will help regulate your system. And then that will help you digest better and be in rest and digest. But taking foods that are a lot easier to chew so that you don't have to do as much chewing and they'll be easier to digest is the key. Cook steamed vegetables, stir fries, roasted vegetables with your proteins. Um, that's really the key. Okay. What do you say about people who uh, have read all this stuff about the the lectins in the mm. nightshade vegetables and all that kind of stuff? Do you find that your clients have issues with that? Some do. I would say my clients who have the worst digestive systems and the highest inflammation and really high cortisol, which makes the digestive system more sensitive and candida overgrowth will be more sensitive to lectins as well as nightshades. However, you can course correct that. The more you heal the body, the less sensitive you're going to be to lectins and nightshades. Some people will choose to soak the foods that have the lectins. So your nuts, your seeds, your grains, um, and they find it, they digest better while they're working on healing, whatever they're working on. Um, and with the nightshades, cause I used to have big issues with nightshades, potatoes, bell peppers, strawberries, and now I can eat any of them and I don't have issues. It was really doing that inner work, healing the binge eating, strengthening my gut and get it, getting rid of that unhealthy gut bacteria, regulating my cortisol because just the more stressed your body is, the more sensitive you're going to be to these things that you may not be normally. Um, so the more we heal, the easier it usually is to tolerate them again. So you brought up one of my favorite subjects with his yeast overgrowth. Because oh, I had it for the first first 40 years of my life because yeah. I was on antibiotics about every five yeah. minutes, at least once a quarter yeah. for the first 40 years of my life, if not more. And when I was in high school, all my girlfriends and I, we were all on, I think it was tetracycline mm. for all of our high school, not because we had acne, but to keep our faces from ever getting uh... acne. So for years, we were all on that. Yeah. It, it's craziness now. When I think about that, that was in the 1970s. But talk a little bit about the yeast overgrowth and what kind of havoc that can cause 
as far as weight issues. Totally. And I can so relate because I had it horribly too. I had so many UTIs growing up and had to take tons of antibiotics, ate tons of sugar through upbringing and childhood and everything. And so candida overgrowth means that there is an imbalance of it in the healthy yeast and bacteria in the large intestine. And through antibiotic use, refined sugar, alcohol, stress, it it like antibiotics kill all the good and bad bacteria and then the bad just takes over because we're not taught how to course correct it and so we feed it with a lot of alcohol refined sugar stress and then the bad takes over and so signs of a chronic candida overgrowth are things like lots of bloating and gas especially lower abdominal bloating because a lot of it gets, sits in the colon you can have really loose stools be really constipated lots of inflammation. So water retention, your ring swelling, feeling like you're hanging on to weight, you feel warm. It's a lot easier to gain weight as well, harder to lose. I find we have more increased appetite levels because that candida is like, feed me, feed me, feed me. And we'll often have increased refined sugar and refined carbohydrate cravings because that's what it feeds off of. Brain fog, low sex drive, um, irregular cycles, infertility, and it will always fuel hormone issues. It is the 24-hour stressor in the body. So imagine someone sitting beside you and poking you all day. It agitates your nervous system. So cortisol it, or candida will spike cortisol, suppress the thyroid because it's causing inflammation. Um, so the first step is always to get on a really good probiotic, something with at least 50 billion bacteria per capsule, at least 12 strains. And then from there, I highly encourage you to work with somebody to help you go through a gentle protocol to balance your gut flora. Do not, I don't suggest any extreme protocols. They can cause you to feel really unwell and we don't want that. So it can be addressed and fully eradicated. However, usually there's a few things we want to look at first before we just blindly jump into it and try and deal with it. Yeah, great. All right. What have I forgotten to ask? What are, what are any, if you had three main pointers for the people of the world, primarily women, who are dealing with weight issues and wish that they weren't binge eating, wish that the extra pounds would come off, wish that they just didn't even have to think about it. What would those three suggestions be? Yeah. Number one, if you are emotionally eating or binge eating, I encourage you to try and take some of the energy that you're trying to put in your, into forcing your body to lose weight to actually heal your relationship with food because that is causing so much harm and lack of safety in your body and your nervous system. So are you willing to start dealing with the self-sabotage of food first? Second is, can you actually start to look at and get curious at why your body is hanging on to weight? Because weight is a protective mechanism. Your body hangs on when she doesn't feel safe whether it's emotional things, physical things, energetic, spiritual. So can you take a step back, pull out a journal and get curious? Why do I think my body doesn't feel safe? Why won't she let go? Right. And then start exploring. Is it the emotional eating? Am I constantly in negative self-talk? Do I maybe have suspected hormone or gut issues I haven't dealt with? Did I have an issue happen like when I was five and the older boys called me fat and ugly on the bus and I'm hanging on to that trauma and I need to deal with that. But what is going on that I haven't dealt with? And am I willing to get honest with myself that more diets, restriction, and quick fixes are not going to help my body feel safer. And I think the last thing is, can you try to be more compassionate and forgiving of yourself and your body? Your body is not trying to punish you by having the weight hang on or the cravings. She is trying to get your attention that there are things going on within you that are out of alignment. And the weight is one of the ways she tries to get your attention 
because all the other symptoms aren't getting your attention. So are you willing to have a bit more compassion and be willing to go on the journey and stay at it until you get the answers you want and you gain the healing and knowledge that you're meant to gain because your body is the map and the guide. She's so intelligent. She just wants to help you heal. Well said. How can people find out more about you and the work you do? And I know you have several classes and several groups and all of that. How can they, how can people find out more about you? Yeah. So my website is amberapproved.ca. I have a free emotional eating quiz if you'd like to take it, if you wonder if you're struggling. Um, as well, I offer a 30-minute body freedom consultation if you want to connect and talk about all things weight loss blocks, emotional eating, binge eating, hormone gut issues, etc., um, and then I also have my podcast, the No Sugar Coding Podcast, which it was a pleasure to have you on. And it's also available on the website. And then you'll also see a wide array of other things, a membership, masterclasses and other programs. So whatever suits your fancy, you're welcome to come and join. Wonderful. And and our chat, which goes even more in depth, yes. is uh, number my episode number 377. So Amber, you are such a resource for all of us. What wonderful information you're putting out in the world. Thank you for all of your efforts and for being brave enough, frankly, to put yourself out there with your story. Thank you. And how you've come full circle from where you were losing a thousand pounds. That's wild. That still blows Mm -hmm. my mind. So thanks so much for joining us, everybody. I'll see you next week. Sending you lots of love from Sweet Home, Alabama. And from Canada, too, where Amber is. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at Ask Julie Ryan. And like her on Facebook at Ask Julie Ryan. To schedule an appointment or submit a question, please visit AskJulieRyan.com. This show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be medical, psychological, financial, or legal advice. Please contact a licensed professional. The Ask Julie Ryan Show, Julie Ryan and all parties involved in producing, recording, and distributing it assume no responsibility for listeners' actions based on any information heard on this or any Ask Julie Ryan shows or podcasts.